Good morning, good lunchtime, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to our live podcast, Is Magic Real? Something that's really at the heart of our work, because obviously we work with magic, but also we teach on our courses magic, so it's very, very central to what we do, it's very, very central to how we think and how we operate, it's very powerful journey for us so i'm going to present this and if there's any time at the end or anybody have questions feel free to come in and ask us whatever so let's flow we teach courses in what we call the spiritual crossfit gym which is a private group here on facebook and there's a number of those courses spiritual development magical development courses that have been specifically about magic itself, candle magic we've taught. At the moment we're teaching sigil magic and servitor magic, we've taught moon magic, we've got an upcoming course on ritual magic, and we thought it was appropriate to address the questions on the nature of magic itself. We wanted to share with you the viewpoints from other magical writers and practitioners on the topic and kind of lay out perspectives because although it's thousands and thousands of years old magic probably since the beginning of humanity there's still this kind of question as if somehow it's outside the realms of reality and we wanted to kind of work with some of those ideas so it's a simple question really but it opens up myriads of others because if magic's real can anybody do magic? And if anybody can do magic, are you then responsible for the reality that you create? Now, there's also another complication that let's clear that up pretty quickly. Um, do we mean that magic that you see on the TV or YouTube or whatever, that is illusion, that's entertainment, you know, pick a card, whatever, that kind of magic. And no, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about are the practices and the rituals that make and change our material world and reality and that's what we're talking about here in this particular setup and then there's a whole range of questions that come out of that of course about actually how we define reality and is that something that's fixed and immutable or is reality itself fluid and dependent on our experiences so is magic real or illusion is it real or fake for the sake of this conversation, let us get hold of the idea that it could be real. And let's start with a few definitions of what I'm talking about. The famous or notorious magician Alistair Crowley, depending on your view, of course, in the book on his work, Thelema defined magic as the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with the will. 
Dean Radin, who's the chief scientist at the Institute of Noetic Studies, defines magic in his book, Real Magic, as a mental influence on the physical world, a perception of events distant in time or space, and an interaction with non-physical realities and entities. I would add a fourth category to this defin these definitions, that of using magic to spiritually and magically evolve yourself. As I change, the world changes around me. And this can be done through a number of techniques. For example, working with your inner child or balancing your chakras uh, can be powerful starts to creating a whole range of shifts, reality shifts around you. Michael W. Ford in his book, The Bible of the Adversary, defines magic as the art of causing change internally and externally in accordance with the will. Magic is the art of transformation into a sense of divine consciousness that is meant to improve and assist, assist your life, that is. When I come across the the question every so often I come across it now not that often is magic real or is spirit real or whatever I kind of usually assume that it's been asked by someone who hasn't really experienced that kind of sense of ecstasy of collective magic ritual or even had a solo connection with a god or a goddess a demon or an angel magic by its very nature is experiential it's the art of organizing reality your way and the stimulus of spiritual growth. It supercharges your spirit to blossom into its highest potential, stimulating your spirit with your will, desire and power. Magic is the honouring of your independent gift and path, infusing your life and spirit with its genius. Given this, it's very hard to know whether magic is real from a position of objective observation. The central thesis of science is that nothing can be known unless it can be externally and consistently tested and tested by many people. If you were to accept this, then magic would surely fail what scientists would call reality. Yet. Neither magic nor spirituality function that way. The working of magic in your daily life develops a relationship with the very magic itself. Building your practice changes you, changes the magic and its results. To know the magic, you have to be the magic. The more you encounter and follow and work with magic, the more you experience its revelation and transformation. Although Dean Radin, who I mentioned earlier, the scientist in noetics, would argue to the contrary, I would still say that the whole idea of Is Magic Real brings up a whole range of conflicting perspectives. And we feel the only way for you to know if magic is real is to go on your own magical journey as a magical practitioner. And to a certain extent, that's okay as well. I mean, this is kind of a debate I have with people at times, you know, when it comes down to it. Trying to take the idea of magic or spirituality from a completely detached place of observation kind of misses the whole point. The whole point is you're in that creative mode. 
you're connected to everything around you and you're changing reality trying to watch it from a self-defense place of i don't want to be made an idiot of i, I don't want to try for myself i want someone to prove intellectually within what i say is real and isn't real it's never really going to bring you results it's just going to bring you the results of limitation and ironically arguing against it brings you the very thing that we're saying if you spend your time focusing on this isn't real it isn't real but let's come back to that i would answer the question is magic real from a very interesting place as a chaos magician i would say both yes and no but i'll leave that hanging in the air for a little bit let's look at the nature of reality in the western world what is reality has been a central political question in one way or another for centuries historically a mixture of the state and the church dominated these ideas these considerations these definitions of reality only the priests could communicate with god directly and the monarch was the defender of the faith reality was defined by biblical interpretations of the monarch and the church and these interpretations were dominant so let's look at the church's view in modern christian or monotheistic world there are two competing ideologies both are politically and institutionally tied to the state christianity protestant and catholic and science christianity tends to view magic as evil and anti-god it holds a dualistic concept of the all-powerful god and his nemesis satan so if you follow god you're good if you don't agree with everything the church says and don't agree therefore don't agree with god you follow satan and you're bad and all these kind of terrible threats that come out of this this philosophy places both magic and magical practitioners squarely in the camp of hellbound devil worshippers whether they be witches magicians sorcerers shamans and sometimes even energy healers like reiki healers the jealous all-knowing all-powerful omnipresent jehovah apparently views people with esoteric knowledge in need of saving if his followers are successful in enlightening you you go to heaven if they're unsuccessful jehovah confines you to eternity of fiery condemnation and damnation in the afterlife convincing isn't it the story of god controlling knowledge goes back to the first two people according to the old testament the garden of eden story shows how satan tempted eve to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil this resulted in adam and eve being cast out from paradise by god even the earliest monotheistic stories reduced those who flirted with knowledge to a rejected status in the world reality as defined by science science the rebel the rebellious child of monotheism usually dismisses magic as illusion or delusion and therefore we need to investigate it as an ideology a definition of reality science that is when science grew out of the enlightenment it was and still is a vital part of our evolution as the human race 
The scientific method has brought many improvements to the people of the world. However, like any mask of reality, it's brought its challenges too. Where science falls short, my beef with science relates to the ideological role it plays in society. Often its proponents present themselves as if they were the latest incarnation of the priesthood. They interpret and dictate what reality is, yet won't reflect on their ideas objectively. Like religion, science usually won't examine its own treaties, particularly in relation to what reality actually is. Like religion, it all too often claims intellectual and moral authority around the question of what is real. Rupert Sheldrake, an established and brilliant scientist in his own right, presented a major challenge to the ideological assertions of science. In his book, The Science Delusion, he challenges a number of unproven assumptions made by the priests of science. First, the idea that science has pretty much figured out the nature of reality and everything. All it needs to do is fill in the gaps. Second, he challenged the idea that nothing is real unless it's been exhaustively tested. And three, that consciousness and thoughts are just chemical reactions in the human brain. Rupert Sheldrake, like a number of other eminent scientists, Deepak Chopra, Judith Orr, Bruce Lipton to name but a few, are often shunned. They are attacked or dismissed by their scientific peers for their views. Yet their criticisms go unanswered. Rupert Sheldrake's TED talk, for example, on these very questions of reality was banned for being unscientific. Science is a dual history of development. It is both a method of inquiry based on reason and it's an ideology. So what is real reality? Think about what happens if you place your hands on the table in front of you. Each of us experiences the illusion that our hands, skin, fingers feel the texture of the surface we are touching. We know, however, that electrical messages, information, are sent from sensors on our skin to our brains or minds. In fact, our hands don't feel the table at all. Our minds do. The same is true of our other senses. Our eyes don't see, ears don't hear, and tongues don't taste, etc. They all transmit electrochemical messages to our minds. Well, one thing is for sure. Even if there is such a thing as objective external reality, we have no way of experiencing it. Literally, everything happens in our minds. Neurolinguistic programming, or NLP, states that our conscious minds have the ability to perceive 134 bits of information a second, while our unconscious minds can manage 11 million. I have no idea how these figures are calculated, but the difference is staggering. NLP and perceived reality. NLP asserts that our unconscious minds delete, distort or generalize information that they pass to our, to our conscious minds. This processing is based on what it is we consciously or unconsciously believe. 
The idea that reality can be dictated by religion or science appears to be at the very best questionable. As Anil Seth, who is a neuroscientist, explained on his TED Talk on YouTube, Your Brain Hallucinates Your Conscious Reality, we're all hallucinating all the time. When we agree about our hallucinations, we call it reality. Reality should be seen as something fluid then, something created by consciousness itself. The question, is magic real, becomes, can we manipulate reality since it all takes place in our minds? The key to spiritual power. Incidentally, before I step beyond this, in some ways, religion is slightly more genuine in, that, in this way than science is. Religion just kind of takes itself as an overall ideology that's correct because their God is correct. Obviously, I've got many problems with that, but at least it's straightforward. There's one area of science that Rupert Sheldrake brings about that... Um, I find very, very difficult in this particular concept because it says nothing can be said to be real or reality, yeah, unless it's exhaustively tested by many, many people objectively. But there is no evidence and there is no testing of that central thesis itself. Science doesn't turn that logic onto itself. It doesn't say where is the evidence that that is the definition of reality? It just takes it as an article of faith. Given that, I would argue science has got no more right to argue that something is reality than any other school of thought. Does it have a right to argue in the first place? Of course it does. Does it have a right to claim that kind of omni, omniscient place of all knowledge? only through this door. No, it doesn't even turn its own logic on itself for examination. And thus, I question it from a magical point of view. So, how do you know if magic is real and a key to your spiritual power? <clears throat> it seems unlikely that you can dismiss this concept through the usual channels, religion, science, other people's opinions, all prove unreliable, as we talked just then. Magic probably needs to be experiential. Perhaps the only way for you to answer this question is by doing magic yourself. Magic's been around since the dawn of human history, from the cave paintings to the powerful shamans of the tribes. There are many kinds of magic that have evolved over millennia and beyond. Much has been lost due to religious suppression. But we are remembering old magic and we're finding a great deal more new magic too. In his fascinating book, Lucifer and the Hidden Demons, a practical grimoire from the order of unveiled faces, Theodore Rose explains this well. The finest academics are producing the best work of magical research that has been written, eclipsing the text from the late 19th and earliest 20th centuries. Indeed, over the last 50 years or so, magical knowledge has become accessible and has evolved dramatically. 
There's probably more information available to you now than ever before. Will you choose to discover your own truth about whether magic is real or not? What are the benefits of magic? For me, it's an opportunity to reach beyond societal and familial programming. Magic creates an opportunity to beat my own spiritual path and define my own reality. It frees me from being answerable to a god or a god or the ethical pronouncements of others. It's the journey towards my own highest potential and the acceleration of my evolution. Theodore Rose expresses it from a more cautionary point of view. Striving for an enjoyable and fulfilling life without the powers of magic brings depression, sickness and an overpowering feeling of having gone astray. So, if magic is the key to, the spir to spiritual power, what other considerations do you have? Or to put it another way, which path brings you the greatest growth and freedom? What kinds of magic exists? There are many classifications of magic and obviously it would be, on, be beyond the scope of this podcast to discuss them all. So let's look at some kinds of magic that may have surfaced. Many have come to light since the repealing of the Witchcraft Act in the UK in the middle of last century. In terms of magic, there are three primary distinctions. There's the right-hand path or white magic as it is known the left-hand path, or often called black magic, and somewhere in between, grey magic. There's also another path that came into prominence in the 1970s and 80s, with the emergence of chaos magic. Within the confines of this particular podcast, any discussion of the ideas behind these paths is bound to be incomplete. I have included them in order to give you a taste of the thinking of your own path for yourself. Our goal at Magic Self and Spirit is to support those people who seek to understand their independent spiritual path. A logical starting point for this journey is the question, is magic real? So, okay, white magic, or the right-hand path. Due to popular culture... Many of us are used to the surface ideas that the goals of white magic are selfless. Primarily, they seek to influence events and the evolution of humankind for good. The range of thinking is indeed wide. Christian magic and the works of people like Alice Bailey in the first half of the 20th century. The magic of white light and angels and much more besides of practitioners like Dion Fortune. There are now magical schools that grew from her work, by the way. And the magic that has emerged from modern Wicca since Gerald Gardner, a neon pagan perspective since the early 1950s in the US and UK and beyond. Although there's a whole area of white magic that may well not be that pure and selfless, particularly related to wicker, and perhaps should be best described as grey. Goals of White Magic Alice Bailey published her treatise on white magic, The Consciousness of an Atom, when she said it seems that her goal was to spiritually evolve herself and others to become one with the divine being, God, Allah, whatever. I suggest 
that as self-consciousness is the goal for all the subhuman forms of life and as a group of consciousness or the consciousness of the heavenly man is the goal for the human being. So for him, also there may be a goal and for him the achievement may be the development of God consciousness. Now that was Alice Bailey from the consciousness of an atom. Please remember when we're with that particular quote, it was written about 1910, so the language is old and a little bit confusing. This kind of white magic is passive. In fact, all white magic in this context, in context is entirely passive. The magician builds a relationship with the holy guardian angel. He then seeks to integrate himself as one with the Godhead, surrendering every part of self to divinity. White magic functions as a science working with sacred symbols on ancient pathways. Examples might be the pathways of the Kabbalah or the bark of the sun god Ra. Often these magicians work with secret chiefs, so-called evolved spiritual beings related to the Golden Dawn. The Golden Dawn was um, a magical group that formed at the end of the 19th and beginning of the 20th centuries. These figures seem to have some kind of authority over their paths. It is a journey of renunciation or transformation of the self into the Godhead. We find the magic of ancient Egypt particularly fascinating and have developed a series of books unpacking it. Um, we use ancient Egyptian magic around chakra healing, empowering your inner child, sigil magic, etc. from the perspective of star magic and the gods or the netters of ancient Egypt. Um, I, I'm going to ask April to put any links into the comments for that as um, so you can see for yourself the work we've done there. So white magic and dualism. The kind of white magic is, this kind of white magic is dualistic. Favoring light over darkness, good over bad, and right over wrong. Sure, it's a sacred path. But as a chaos magician, it brings up questions for me. If the divine is an all-powerful and perfect being, is white magic any more than a ritual-based mystical path? Indeed, is white magic necessary at all? So if God's, if they're God, right, is all-powerful, all good, always right, always present in everywhere, doesn't it suggest that the reality that they believe he created should be perfect? So therefore, if that's the case, if you're on a path to union with God, why would you do be doing magic that changes the reality? Because changing the reality from perfect to perfect, kind of what's the point? I have to say I did enjoy the right hand path. I trained as a pagan priest for, oh, what was it, three years? And I trained in a, a white magic mystery school for a few years. And I enjoyed it, it was great. But it always felt like it was about other people or other spirit beings defining who I was and what I should be doing. There was always the sense of who I am is wrong, which many people get from religion, but you can also get it from white magic as well. So ultimately I moved away. Other kinds of white magic. 
The other kind of white magic that's prominent is neo-pagan, primarily the Wicca of Gerald Gardner and Alex Saunders. Wicca is a nature-based spirituality and has some obvious connection with other witchcraft and pagan traditions. Yet its magic is still about worship and the elevation of the goddess and the god over self. Its magical rules are to do no harm, but it does not appear to be strictly to be a strictly selfless magic depending on the practitioner. So in a sense, sometimes we can label wicker as white magic and sometimes we can label it as gray. It really depends on the practitioner. And gray is not quite black magic, but not necessarily completely selfless white magic. So what is black magic, the left-hand path? In the same way as the idea of white magic is part of our culture, black magic is often defined as its opposite. Popular culture sees black magic as working with supernatural beings with the intention of hurting others or doing evil and or selfish things. In all honesty, these ideas are delusional. Black magic just doesn't accept the moral and ethical structures of monotheism, particularly Islam and Christianity. If you were to reflect on the histories of Islam and Christianity, it wouldn't take you a great deal if you were looking at their histories to realize why black magic just looks at this and goes, this is just pure hypocrisy. The whole idea that somehow Christianity, Islam and their religions, particularly over the last 2000 years, if you look at them since they've been around, Islam slightly less, obviously. The behavior of the followers, the belief structures of the church and the mosque, violence, rape, attack, repression, control, the whole idea that any moral measuring place can come from the church or the mosque is farcical. Black magic is an umbrella term that covers a range of practices from voodoo, traditional witchcraft, Satanism and Luciferianism, and many more besides. Is black magic e evil? Mm. The whole question of evil has much of its roots embedded in the Judeo-Christian Muslim history. Based on a small and rather violent shepherd tribe from what is now southern Israel. It spread its influence and power by conquering other tribes in native lands. In a tiny leap of logic, its God, Yahweh, became the one true God, as obviously his tribe had won the war. The gods of the other tribes were cast out as demons and therefore became what they called evil. Some black magic and the religions attached to it are in a literal sense adversarial. They identify their practices as the opposition to this conquering God. Magic working with the demonic beings is commonplace and freedom and spiritual growth is identified as rebellion against a repressive deity. This then, in simplified terms, is the traditional left-hand path. Black magicians don't often see their practice as evil. For them, it's more about hidden knowledge and spiritual power. Take, for example, the writings of Michael W. Ford from his book, Dragon of Two Flames. 
Our definition of black magic is different. Black is the hidden that has associations with knowledge and power. We care little for cursing in the idea of white magic is pure idiot fantasy. We heal, protect and empower ourselves and assist ones we care for. We don't see that as white. There must always be a balance of creation and destruction. Other interpretations of black magic. Other black magicians see the concepts of angels and demons, for example, as the higher and lower parts of self. Angels are messengers from the higher mind, while demons are the expressions of the unconscious mind. Working with both is about balance of self and therefore personal growth and power. The vast unconscious mind melts into the collective unconsciousness. Symbols and rituals in the form of a massive psychodrama unlocks the magic of the all and power is experienced. Incidentally, both black and white, or at least grey magicians, work with demons. The first in harmony and honouring, the others frightened in a circle of salt with large swords, chanting ancient names of the Hebrew god whilst threatening demons with entrapment. Guess which magic is more effective? Balancing light and dark with moon magic. We dig into the balance of light and dark in our study of moon magic. April and I have written three books and courses on moon magic and done a number of presentations. Each cycle of the phases of the moon show us the brilliance and balance of yin and yang, light and dark energy. The darkness or the none as described in the magic of ancient Egypt is primal chaos. The unmanifest, the unconscious. The light represents the active, outwardly move, moving expressions of the will. We explore each of the seven magical phases of the moon and the most powerful workings for that moon phase. It has been part of what we've unfolded as magical self, magic self and spirit. And it's very, very powerful. So let's look at chaos magic. Chaos magic differs from the other paths in a number of ways. There's no strict system you must follow. As you would expect, there are really no rules. It's a philosophical approach, a point of view. Indeed, any two chaos mag magicians would have different thoughts about how they can execute their magic. It is an individual approach to magic, usually based on the practicality of what works. In contrast, other magical systems often work differently. Although there's now a lot of information available, many of the other systems of magic have initiatory secrets. These are kept inaccessible to outsiders. Examples include, include um, Thelemur for from Alistair Crowley, the secret chiefs of the Golden Dawn, Dion Fortune and the more mad modern mystery schools, and the higher levels of Wicca, all have initiatory secrets. These preclude the personal, totally independent magical paths that we encourage at Magic Self and Spirit. So within Chaos Magic, what one of the tenets, if you like, is that belief is a tool. It's what I call a mask of reality. So believing in a particular system, a congruent system, 
is like a mask you can put on and reality opens that way if you follow its rules. We discussed above that reality is at best fluid and hallucination. This gives us the ability to work with beliefs as if they were tools. This idea is both powerful and liberating. Imagine the magician card from the tarot. The magician has one arm pointing up to the heavens and the other pointing to the earth and stands in front of his altar. On the altar there are a range of magical system and tools. Imagine now that there are many masks on this altar and that each mask represents a different structure of beliefs. One may be a religion, another a representation of a spirituality, another a form of magic, another a form of philosophy or a political belief system. Got to understand that all of these masks of reality are dualistic. Dualism is necessary. It is the nature of reality itself. In order to experience in the mundane world, everything is right, wrong, good, bad, black, white, male, female, etc, etc. All the opposites that open out and out and out and create the contrast of an experience of a reality. All belief systems are dualistic. And they're all congruent. That is, they all work. If you were to wear one of these masks, one of these ideas of reality, I don't know, Catholicism or capitalism or nihilism, doesn't really matter. And you follow its rules and actively live as if they were true, then you could choose to experience whatever the central beliefs were of that particular mask. You may choose to experience the benefits of unconditional love from Mother Mary and ignore all the negatives of a Catholic mask, for example. Or you may choose the experience of magical and spiritual empowerment from a Luciferian one. The point is that you can use any mask to create the quality or experience you so choose. And when you've finished and had that experience, you can take the mask off, put it aside and put on another one if you choose, or remain neutral for a moment. Reality then is not just a thought or a belief, it's a lived experience. It's through thought, word and deed, or desire, will and action are played out together that you realize the key to your spiritual power. It is by taking a mask of reality and working through it, through it congruently, through its rules, through its dualism, at its focus, by playing with its rules, by manipulating its rules within it, that you can realize the spiritual power. And there are thousands of them. It's not like there's one or two to choose from. There are thousands of belief systems, including science and religion, all who are congruent. Do I believe magic is real? Well, yes and no. It really depends on which mask I'm wearing at the time. There are only two ways to live your life. One is through nothing is a miracle. The other is through everything is a miracle. That was Albert Einstein, not me, by the way. 
Are you ready to begin your own magical practice? Every person alive has the ability to take hold of their life, work their magic, and experience life at phenomenal levels yet unrealized. We live in the most exciting times of explosion of knowledge and we all have the ability to master reality itself. Our courses in the Spiritual Crossfire Gym and the other services we offer, what we're doing is supporting you with direction and clarity as you step into your own unique magical and spiritual path. These really are the only purpose of magic itself and spirit. We're not here to convert you to anything. We're here to empower your choices, empower your decisions, empower your magic with you, give you support and guidance and send you on the path that's right for you, defined by you and you only. Thank you for listening to this podcast. It's been fabulous working with you. I'm going to wrap up this podcast now. I hope it gave you everything it promised. We will be in the Spiritual Crossfire Gym on Thursday. I will open a room. The third week of the course will be there for you on video. I'll open up a room for any questions or discussions. We'll be back on Sunday for Ask Spirit. And next Tuesday for the next podcast, which will be announced very soon. Anyway, guys, fabulous working with you. Have a great week. Take care. Thank you.